0: Well, good morning uh, as Ken mentioned we are going to be looking at one passage of Scripture it's actually about 48 verses so we'll get done about two-thirty or 3 but um, encourage you to turn there if you can let me just make a um, couple of, of comments about this series We've entitled the series, and we've done this on purpose, entitled it, Mission Possible. Um, There's a reason for that. Because after Jesus gave his life on the cross, which we've been celebrating this morning, and rose from the dead, he turned to his disciples and had one simple request. Just before he ascended to his father, he said, and there are different accounts in the gospel, but he said, you go and make disciples of all the nations. Not just one, but all of them. And teach those disciples to obey all that I've told you and then go and keep on doing that. And he assured them that he was with them forever. When we look at the um, command of Jesus and his mission that he has given us, If you're like me, you sometimes feel overwhelmed with that. Like it seems like such a big thing that how can we ever accomplish this? And I look at myself and wonder, how can I have a personal role in that? Maybe some of you think, you know, I've never shared my faith with a single person. I'm kind of scared to do that. I'm not very good at it. I don't even have a lot of friends among the unchurched. And you wonder, how in the world are you going to start? And how can you have a personal role in that? The title of this series emphasizes that it is a mission, yes, big, but it's entirely possible. Jesus, when he left, he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit who would reside in every single believer in Jesus, and he would be the one that would provide the ability. And I love the verse in Ephesians 3.20 where it says, God is able to do far more than we can ever ask or imagine. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, not just in theory, but do you believe that's relevant for for you? Do I believe that? Are you clinging to that as you walk in this world and seek to be a witness for him? On Friday, I was uh, having my time with the Lord, and uh, the Lord took me to Exodus 14. This is the chapter where... Israel, the people of Israel who had been in slavery in Egypt for a long time. It was a hard life. And God rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians, but did it in a very miraculous way. Many of you know the story. They marched away from Egypt and they were headed to freedom. And all of a sudden they encountered a huge obstacle. Actually, two of them. The obstacle in front of them was the Red Sea and they were not able to swim across. And the obstacle behind them was Pharaoh's army pursuing them to bring them back into slavery. They were stuck. They were stranded. And it's interesting that the people became very afraid. In fact, it uses the phrase greatly afraid. And you know how they responded? And this is what we do sometimes when we're afraid of something. They began to complain. They began to gripe. And they actually complained to Moses and said, Moses, why have you taken us out of slavery? They wanted to be taken out of it. And so, they complained and then the Lord stepped in and he gave them a couple of simple imperatives, commands, and he said, first, be silent. (laughs) Basically, I think that means stop your complaining, but then three positives, don't be afraid, Be courageous, stand firm, stand firm in your faith and your trust in me, and then go forward. Just keep going the way you've been going, regardless of the fact that there's a little thing like a Red Sea in front of you, and then we know the story how God parted that Red Sea and enabled the people not just to walk across it, but on dry land— Try that. We were in a Christmas tree lot yesterday, and it was a bit muddy, even though it hadn't rained for a while. But this was dry land, and God delivered them. And when they were all across, caused the waters to go back, and Pharaoh's army was destroyed. As we move forward to fulfill the mission of Jesus, it was his idea, not ours. We've simply taken on his idea as we move forward with mission, let's do it with the same thing without fear, to stand firm, and to move forward. Jesus would never ask us to do anything that was impossible to do. It's impossible with us, but with the power of the Lord, it's entirely possible. And I believe, with all my heart, if we do those things, move forward with mission and with courage and faith, we can expect God to do things only he can do. Amazingly powerful things. But and this leads into the subject of the morning, Um, there will be change that's necessary, which brings us into Acts chapter 10. You know, change can be hard for a lot of us. We like things to be familiar. We like things to just continue as they have. We like to be comfortable in our own situation, and a lot of us dislike change. I remember a story that Chuck Swindoll told about his childhood. His family used to sit in the same pew every single Sunday. And one Sunday they walked into church. Chuck was just a boy, but he remembers this. They walk into church and somebody else was sitting in their pew. Like the story of the three bears. Who's been sitting in my chair? But they walk in, and they didn't know what to do. They could have easily picked another pew. There were probably plenty of them. But you know what they did? They went home. If you can imagine. They were so adverse to change (laughs) that they decided there was no hope We might as well go home. And a lot of us are the same way. You know, Jesus um, promised that there would be changed in the whole process of discipleship. Here in Matthew 4.19, you know what he said? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They would have a new focus... A new career, nothing wrong with fishing, but their purpose, their focus would be on people and to make disciples of those people. But I love this. He would do the changing. I will make you not you will be required to change but I will make you I will change you and he did some of that while he was teaching them for three years couple different types of change I want to call your attention to and we'll kind of tie this together at the end but there's one change that a disciple is called to That's the result of the gospel. This is where we are impacted with the gospel, what Christ has done. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and our character has changed. We change from the inside out. So grateful for that. I'm still in process. But I know the Lord has changed me a lot. You know, these disciples needed a lot of changing. They were a sorry lot. And Jesus spent those three years teaching and training them, and then the Holy Spirit came on them on the day of Pentecost, and the change was extremely dramatic. Peter had been, one of them, had been a fisherman with a big mouth and a hot temper. He had a lot of rough edges. And at the end, he was afraid to witness. He was afraid to admit he was a disciple of Jesus. But you know what happened to him? He became a bold witness. He actually became the leader of the group And God used him in a wonderful, wonderful way. But he had a big blind spot. He had an area of his life that needed some dramatic changing and an area that was keeping him from being an effective witness like Jesus wanted him to be. We're going to see that. The second change is that Change that's for the sake of the gospel. This is the change that relates to our purpose, our direction in life. Nina and I have been married for almost 50 years. Uh, That might seem like an eternity for a lot of you people. It's gone very fast. You know, when I was single, I was just responsible for me. I could basically do what I wanted, when I wanted, and for the reason I wanted. But when I got married, it all changed very, very quickly. And I found, and I'm still finding, that I had to make changes and sacrifices, not for me, but for Nita. That's what marriage is all about. And the purpose of my life changed dramatically simply by becoming married, that I wasn't just living for myself, but I was living for Nita as well, in addition to living for Jesus. The Apostle Paul, First Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about becoming all things to all men that... Purpose that he might save some he actually went to Jews Gentiles he began to witness and he was out of his comfort zone because there were times when he had to take some of his personal preferences the traditions the things he was used to set them aside so that he would be able to share Christ with the people who are listening to him. He made changes for the sake of the gospel. Peter, the apostle Peter, had to learn that. And he hadn't learned it yet after the resurrection of Christ. Which brings us to Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to kind of walk through some of the verses in this chapter. And verse 1 says this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. A couple of things we'll learn about Cornelius. He was a Roman military officer. Had a very responsible position. But he was a seeker. He was seeking for truth. He was seeking to know God. He did a very unusual thing. He actually embraced the God of the Jews, even though he was a Gentile. He was a spiritually hungry man, and he began to embrace the God of Israel, and yet he wasn't saved. <laughs> he had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ to our knowledge That was something he still had to learn. He responded to the light, the spiritual light he had been given, but he needed more light, and now God's going to take care of that. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, about the ninth hour, whoops, skipped two pages, About the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m. in the afternoon of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him, that is the angel in terror, as I would, and said, what is it, Lord? Let me stop. He saw this angel... But recognized the angel had been sent by God, and the angel was bringing a message from God, which is why he responds by addressing the Lord. And he said, That is, the angel said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one. Simon, who is called Peter. Joppa was about 30 miles away. You didn't drive it in those days, you walked it, and it probably took more than a day to walk. But the angel has a simple message We've heard you, but now the next step is to call for a guy named Simon Peter to come. I love the teachable spirit that Cornelius had. He knows he knew so little and yet he immediately responds and it says when the angel spoke to him verse Verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among them who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa to get Peter. Apparently, no hesitation. He took this from the Lord. He had a teachable, soft heart, and so he sends His two servants, along with a soldier, probably for protection, to Joppa to get to get Peter. Cornelius was ready to receive a message from the Lord, but Peter was not. Little background. There was a huge amount of hostility between Jews and Gentiles, these two races in that day. The Jews considered Gentiles unclean and wouldn't have anything to do with them. They they would f- see a Gentile coming down the sidewalk toward them, and they would intentionally avoid them by going across the street, maybe like you did it during COVID, um, but they would avoid having personal contact with a Gentile. God never told them to do that. God told them to avoid the sins of the Gentiles, but not to cut off a personal relationship with them. Jesus, interestingly, had contact with Gentiles during his ministry and he encouraged his disciples to do the very same thing in fact at the very end of his life and I quoted one verse from Matthew but Luke 24 Jesus said repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached to all nations This word nations is the Greek word ethnos. And it was actually used as a word for Gentiles. Jesus was emphasizing, yeah, all nations, but pointing out that the message needed to go to Gentiles as well. And for the disciples to do that, they would need to have personal contact with them. But Peter's at a stage now. All of his life he had been taught to avoid Gentiles. But now God is going to change his heart. He's going to change his whole focus. Verse 9 says this. The next day, this is scene 2, we're now no longer in Caesarea or in Joppa, where Peter is. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter was up on the housetop about the sixth hour, noon, to pray. His heart was right with God. He was a man of prayer. It's interesting, like, even mature Christians can have blind spots. Areas of their life where they need to grow. And this was Peter's case. And it says in verse 10, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And apparently some kind of a vision saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending. Being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Picture it. There's this huge sheet descending down from heaven filled with all kinds of animals, including reptiles. Jews were not supposed to eat animals that crawled on the ground. Reptiles do and then Peter is absolutely shocked with what the voice said it said there came a voice to him rise Peter kill and eat I'm sure Peter was horrified He had never eaten unclean animals before, and now the voice who he actually recognizes as the voice of the Lord tells him to eat, to do something his tradition had never allowed before. Apparently Peter didn't get it right away maybe was resistant because it repeats itself 3 times and then the sheet is taken back up to heaven while peter's thinking through the ramifications of that vision and what the lord had told him to do these three guys show up at the house i love god's timing god's timing is perfect Peter is up, upstairs, and these guys show up at his house, ask, is this where Peter is? And finds out that he is, and then the Holy Spirit, verse 19, says this, while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, said to him, behold, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation for I have sent them. Peter had a teachable heart at this moment. As hard as it was, it went cross grain with everything he had been taught and lived all of his life. But he goes down, he talks to the men and invites them into his house, something a Jew would have never done to a Gentile before. And then he actually lets the three guys stay overnight in his house and then accompanies them back to Caesarea the next day. All of those things were things that Jews would have never done But Peter's heart was changed. Peter gets there, finds Cornelius and all of his relatives and some friends waiting for him. And it's interesting in verse 22. Actually, um, verse 28 says this. He said to them, Because they were wondering, what in the world are you doing here, Peter? Peter explains, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And so I was sent, for I came without objection and i ask then why did you send for me and they explain cornelius explains and then peter preaches the gospel and it's all about jesus focusing on christ's death and his resurrection and then at the very end of his message verse 43 He says this, he gives the invitation to him, all the prophets bear witness, that everyone, Jews, Gentiles, Americans, English, Iranians, no matter what person is, what race, what country, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then it goes on to say, and you can look at this on your own, it goes on to say that while he was still speaking, he hadn't even finished his message yet. It says, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his people, indicating that they had put their faith in Jesus Christ and then became indwelt by the Spirit of God. Peter then says, time to get baptized, which every believer should do to indicate their faith in Jesus. Let me draw a couple of conclusions here. Change. I see both Cornelius and Peter changing in different ways. Cornelius changed as a result of the gospel. He heard it. Got saved, and apparently his family did as well. Peter changed for the sake of the gospel. He was willing to lay aside his norms, his traditions, the things he had been used to all of his life, just so he could meet these people and share Christ with them. You know, one reason people resist change is because they focus on what they have to give up rather than the good that can result from the change. Let me read that again. One reason people resist change is because they focus on what they have to give up. Instead of the good that can result from the change, what did Peter have to give up? His background, which actually was a tradition that had been invented by people. God had never told them to avoid Gentiles, but somehow that developed and it had impacted his mind, his values, how he acted how he lived out his life for his entire life. But Peter decided it'd be better to obey God than something in his past. And so he did. What good came out of what Peter did? A lot. A lot a lot he was able to preach Jesus to Cornelius and his family and friends and they came to faith in Jesus they were ready they were open do you know there are people in this world who are ready to trust Jesus if they would only hear the message of the gospel they're ready right now just got to find them. And that relates to sowing the seed widely, finding those that are ready. But this family was ready. And they trusted Jesus Christ. Not only them, but this was a watershed moment when the doors opened for the gospel to go beyond a little group of people in Jerusalem and for it to reach the nations. And because it did, it reached us. That's why we heard of Jesus. That's why we're able to talk about him this morning. Because Peter was obedient to what the Lord asked him to do and he embraced the mission that Christ had given to the church. Here's a question. (laughs) What, time to dream a little bit. What good could come about if we as a church and individuals in the church enthusiastically embrace the mission of Christ what good could come out of it I've thought about that I think we would see people saved coming to know Christ as Savior regularly we'd have baptisms every month why not We'd have groups of twos meeting together for discipling. We'd have life groups that would be coming so large as people learn about what it means to be a disciple that we'd have to start 20 more. Those are things that could happen if each one of us would embrace the mission. Even those of us that are more shy, maybe not very courageous, maybe don't have many unsaved friends, God is able to change us. I believe that with all my heart. Let me suggest four changes that I think are needed right now in my life, in your lives, Number one, I think change will involve, instead of avoiding unchurched people, building relationships with them. The change we're talking about is changing from focusing on our own needs to focusing on the needs of other people and having a passion to serve and to present the truth of the gospel. Change from just informing people about what the Bible teaches to actually equipping and discipling them. We need information. That's where we start. But I think God would want us To not just have the information and stuff our heads so we know more, but to use it to train and equip and disciple other people. And here's one, I think change, and I'm talking to the older generation, change from being afraid of the younger generation to learning to communicate with them. But let me reverse it, talk to the younger generation. Change that would make you afraid of the older generation to committing to get to know them. All changes that can take place through the power of the Holy Spirit as he works in our lives. Let me circle back to where we started. Talked about Egypt and the Jews being exhorted to not be afraid to stand firm and to go forward. This applies to us in embracing the mission of Jesus. Are you willing? Am I willing? To take steps in obedience, in trust in the Lord, to put aside fear, to ask God to change us, to give us courage in the place of fear, and then that we would stand firm in faith, stand firm in what the Bible teaches, which never changes and that we would march forward in dependence on the Lord and carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. I'm not there yet. I'm still learning, but I want to learn. And I want the Lord to change me, and I want him to do that in all of us. Lord, it's amazing that Jesus would entrust us with such a big task. And he knew it was way beyond our ability. But we thank you for his promise to change us and to do big things through us. And I cry out to you, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith. Strengthen us to the point where we would believe you for big things and not be content with little things that we can do on our own. Pray that you would grip us with the person of Jesus, that we would fall in love with him, and our love for him would be greater than our fear of man. And I pray, Father, that you would Work in us, in our own personal relationships with Christ, and then use us this week. Bring us into supernatural relationships with unbelieving, unchurch people, and use us to brag about Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name.